0: Are so you ready to see that Stanley Cup banner raised again?
1: You are now listening to The Bannerman, an L.A. Kings podcast.
0: The Stanley Cup has been awarded. The Montreal Canadiens have lost. The season is over. The Kings are first place. I'm feeling good. How are you tonight, Vardy?
1: I'm good, buddy. All is right in the world. The, uh, the Montreal fans are weeping. I love in it. The, in the rues, or that means streets in the France.
0: Oh, you came prepared today. I see.
1: I brought the, I brought it, I brought it, and uh, and uh, you know, uh, Kucherov is now immediately vaulted <laughs> to the top of my greatest player alive rankings for multiple <laughs> reasons.
0: Jamesys for me, <laughs> like I mean, leapfrog six players minimum.
1: Minimum. Minimum. Like whatever he lacks in talent, he makes it for swagger.
0: He lacks nothing in talent. He like, doesn't. even that's before the, that's true. even before he became a legend for the reasons we will discuss, I was so amazed by him in these playoffs. Like he's one of these guys, and Ryan McDonald's another one where you always know they're good. But for some reason, this run, I really like zoned in on him. He is phenomenal. He is. Mm. A top three talent in the NHL, in my opinion, top four, whatever. He's up there with the three M's that always get all the press. Mm -hmm. To me, yeah, an an exceptional, exceptionally gifted player, and I love him. I'm gonna order his jersey, at the very least, his jersey T-shirt, something. It's I'm I'm and
1: then throw that on the ground because he does not wear that. I'm
0: gonna invest in Nikita Kucherov somehow, somewhere. What a
1: guy. What a guy. I think I think one of the reasons maybe why we don't, you know, obviously the the East Coast uh, games and whatnot withstanding. But I think you lose in the shuffle of just how talented that team is, that he is just just a little bit more talented than guys like Braden Point, Victor Hedman, Vasilevsky, Stomp all these guys. I mean, it's just such a ridiculous collection of talent that sometimes you forget that even without those players, he is individually extremely talented. And on the flip side of things, all those players are so talented, they didn't even need him to to make the playoffs and dominate in the regular season, which plenty of people are crying about now. But as you and I both know, that has been a rule that has been in place for many years, and no one cried about it when other teams were taking advantage of it.
0: In fact, uh, I retweeted something from the Hockey News Yep. That in 2015, Tampa, the organization brought forth or suggested a vote to eliminate this loophole because the Blackhawks were five million over the cap during their 2015 cup run, and nobody paid attention to them. Nobody cared. No one even, I think, bad and I. You love to see it. Yes. I was, good. I love everything about, and I know this is hypocritical from coming from a guy who's been crying about an illegal stick for 30 years. Like I get it. <laughs> and if you're wondering why I'm on both sides, whatever, just figure it out yourself. On a, <laughs> figure it out on your own time. But I yeah, man, like to me it's such a petty argument. And now I don't know if you saw, but now Vasilevsky's equipment
1: man, is an there's, issue. Do you see one, this? Yes. There's one photo okay where he's closer to the camera <laughs> than Carrie Price. As if come on, as if he didn't get lit up his oh, fair man. share. Come on. You couldn't score on the guy. This is this is this is again, people are asking me why illegal stick and, and the the reasons that you gave aside. People have asked a couple of times, like, how can I still hate Montreal? And I've explained to them that it goes beyond 93. It goes to the hubris that is associated with this franchise and the fans of this franchise who still sit there and, you know, think that the bygone years of Jean Beliveau and, and Rocket Richard and Guy Lafleur still somehow reflect on how they are as a team now. In fact, you pointed this out to me, the most ridiculous thing ever when Kucherov went on his incredibly justified and amazing rant and buried the freaking Canadians fans for their, ridiculous celebration for winning a game and not being (laughs) swept in a series someone tweeted a photo of jean beliveau in age 24 or something in a black and white suit against nikita kucherov shirtless uh, and tried to use that as an example of like the class of one organization versus the other come on man Come on.
0: Never mind that that was like a photo shoot. <laughs> it was, it it was like, ridiculous.
1: It was. And you know what? I bet you, I bet you Kucherov looked at that and smiled. He had nothing but happiness looking at that photo.
0: I bet you he hasn't seen shit since then. I bet you he hasn't even looked at his phone. He's probably still, that press his
1: vision's probably still blurry. He has no idea where he is.
0: <laughs> Here's the thing on this show, we always talk about. How much of a problem it is that players don't show their personality. We always talk about how much or how cookie cutter, all their press conferences are, how they all sound the same. and the 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 second a guy is just completely greased up on the podium and just speaks his mind. There is this like clutching of pearls oh my like this backlash of like
1: (laughs) i just imagined a bunch of bunch of french canadians clutching that photo of jean beliveau going he would not do this he would not say these things
0: like that Chappelle meme where he's clutching his money except it's like a jean beliveau photo that's come on guys like have some fun like what okay let's break it down what did he say that was so bad i think the worst thing he said was was not calling Flurry by his name. In all yeah. of that, that's probably the one you were like, "Okay, dude, like, you know his name,
1: right?" But he you maybe forgot have... it in that moment. I don't Shh. think he was being like deliberately. <laughs> no,
0: but like to me, that's being completely overshadowed by him like having fun with some fans. And and how I just don't understand. Like, how can you be so sensitive? And all they say is, "Oh, to Tampa's not a hockey market," so. You know, yeah, Tampa's not a hockey market, so they don't riot after a semifinal win and flip friggin' cars. Come on, man. Right. Like, have some fun. Roll with the punches. Look, I'm not saying Canadians fans should be thrilled about it, but this, like, full outrage is freaking ridiculous, dude. Like,
1: But it's so Canadians fans. That's the problem. This is, like, they are embodying with their reaction to this whole thing everything that has made me not like this team this is it. This is in its absolute essence. This is what it is. You lost. You lost badly. You were beaten by a superior opponent. And he pointed out how ridiculous it was that you guys were celebrating a single home victory in a series where you were down 3-0. And mind you, mind you, it's not like your players were absolute gentlemen to him throughout the series. They were continuously trying to hurt him, trying to hurt teammates, very obviously cross-checked them in the ribs, which went uncalled and he had to miss a game. You know, come on, these are, you know what I mean? Like these are, these are things that, I don't know. It, it, it's, it's weird to me when they sit there and like I said, they act like they were perfect gentlemen that they approach this, game of hockey with uh, an air of elegance (laughs) and grace and these dirt bags from Tampa came from nowhere and, and stole this trophy that was theirs that belonged to them. You know, come on out of
0: here. Nonsense. Like I saw so many photos of like Henri Richard with like, is 11 cups or some right. shit. I'm like, there were six teams. <laughs> Come on, man. This is what I'm saying. This is what I'm saying. They're there were ridiculous. six teams and everyone wants to play for Montreal. Like, it's not... They were ridiculous.
1: Anyway. It's anyway. just ridiculous. I love it. And that that in and of itself, you want to complain about capture a convention or whatever? Fine. Every other team could have done it too. If any other team had the capability to do what Tampa did, to have the kind of roster where Tampa knew they didn't need Kucherov to do what they could do in the regular season and they could very easily bring him back and not worry about the salary cap, they would do it. They 100% would do it. You don't like it? Get the NHL to change the rules. I don't know what you're, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, I've never understood why the cap doesn't matter in the playoffs. It's never made any sense to me. But the fact is, that's a rule. That has been a rule. How are you going to blame a team for taking advantage of something that every other team could have could have done.
0: And by the way, he was legitimately injured. He was and did he, you know, milk it a little bit? Probably. But if look, if I'm a Kings fan, obviously, if the Kings did that with say, I don't know, Kopitar in like 2 years or whatever and they end up winning the cup, I am going to be laughing my ass off about it. Right. I'm going to be happy about it. Because it's in the rules. They did it, they won. Now, if Montreal were in the same situation, you think they would be sitting there and being like, man, I don't know, what would Rocket Richard say about us right. recommending the cap right?" right. Is, I mean...
1: Jean Beliveau's <laughs> <was laughs> rolling in his grave.
0: Seriously. Like, the ghosts of the forum are gone. They've <laughs> left. Like, anyway, it's childish shit. I think what Kucherov said was a little childish, too, but it was fun. It was funny. Like, I laughed. I watched it again today. I might watch it during this podcast. I don't know. <laughs> But I just enjoyed it, and it was different, and it was something that's probably been shared it was all true. across.
1: It was true. Like, yeah, was it a bit, like, over the top? Fine, but it wasn't like he was lying. It's not like he said things that were untrue.
0: It's true. My favorite line was their, their final was the last series. <laughs> I can't find a truer friggin' statement than so that. so cold. Them, oh, so beautiful. Them beating Vegas yeah. as an underdog yes, is incredible. Good for them. Because they left it all on the line. I'm sure they were banged up, yada, 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 hockey cliches. Montreal fans, you know all of them. It was their final. And they and they rolled in and Tampa dominated the series end to end. I don't give a crap who says what. Yes, Montreal outshot them 43-something in game two. But it was all shots from, I don't know, three-point land on Vasilevsky. Good luck. Good yeah. luck scoring on him. That's not domination to me. They played it. A good game. I thought their best game was the last game. I really thought Montreal's best game was the game they lost one 0 Right. For Tampa to clinch the final, they played well, but and
1: that's that's okay. You're you're just not the better team. Dude, that's you what tried, it comes down to.
0: You tried hard. You got far. I'm going breaking out into Lincoln Park song now. In the that's end, right. it didn't even matter <laughs> because you got rolled. <laughs> You you just got rolled by a better team. It's okay. You don't have to go into uh, salary cap friggin' theories, conspiracy theories, or that Vasilevsky's hiding, like, three little people in his gear. Like, shut up. It it was over. Everyone knew it was over. Take the L. Move on. Good season. You're probably not going to be in the final next year. Yeah. You overachieved it. There's this story. Look, it sucks to be second place, and only – the fans of those those second-place teams remember that they were second-place. Right. Like us in 93. I still talk about it, right? They're going mm-hmm. to be talking about it for the next 20-something years, too. It's yeah. all good. Revenge is a dish. Best served cold. <laughs> so, it's all and, good. Right and
1: you know what? You're the best Canadian team there is. <laughs> for this last year, you were the best Canadian team there is. You'll always hold that over the Leafs.
0: There you go. The one That's... time they had the Canadian division, you guys were the best team. Yeah. Hang a banner.
1: You can. It's a division banner. You don't
0: have room, but I mean. <laughs>
1: yeah. I mean, find room. I'm sure you will, you know.
0: They they were. Yeah. They're, so they're going to hang the Campbell Conference right. banner, right? Right. Like, that's really good. They, they, they should. That's They they Yeah. The conference champion has a banner. There you go. Another thing only Montreal has done. From the East, the South Campbell Conference banner. (laughs) There you go. Adding to the accolades, guys. Anyway, congrats to the Lightning. They were the best team in hockey. They're probably going to get dinged up a little bit this summer because something has to give something in the form of probably like Andre Pallott or Alex Kilhorn, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do, but they, Tyler Johnson, maybe, more than likely. Well, I mean,
1: they were trying to move Johnson anyway yeah. for a while, and uh, he's from, he's from Washington State, so maybe they find a way to get him to Seattle.
0: Maybe.
1: You know, that might be a nice little fairy tale ending for him in terms of where he ends up.
0: Yeah, and you know what? They'll still be the favorite next year, probably. A hundred percent. Who's better than them?
1: Right now, like, who can you honestly say is truly better than them?
0: I don't know. Colorado might have to make a move or two, move or two to compete but I, like four lines of just got like Killorn went down right and Joseph steps in and it's like nothing has changed. Yep. Clearly Killorn is like a very good role player like one of the best in the NHL probably in terms of forechecking in terms of sacrificing kind of the heart and soul aspect of the of the bottom six or the middle six. I think he's You can't get better than Killorn. Mm -hmm. But Joseph steps in and it's like fast, aggressive, Killorn light. Good luck, man. And they have like 10 more guys like this just waiting.
1: Sorelli's 23. Sorelli's
0: probably going to be on the top line. Or sorry, Gord will probably be on the top line with uh, Point and Kucherov.
1: Yeah, I mean, the fact is their top six is still locked in at very reasonable rates. They are getting a little bit older, but I mean, and Braden Point is going to get paid in 22, 23, but for next season, I mean, their top six is pretty locked in. If they find a way to actually get rid of Tyler Johnson's contract and just supplement the bottom six, like they've been able to successfully do bringing in guys like Goudreau, Coleman, you know, those guys are UFAs right now, but you know, these are, these are replaceable players and same on their defense. You've got Hedman, you've got McDonough, you've got Surgachev, you've got, you've got Cernak who, we gave them, but anyway, that's not the point. The point is their team is deep. They're locked in threat at least for another two, three seasons. How Until, old is
0: Vassie? Like twenty six.
1: Yeah, exactly. They're all Dude. they're all <laughs> right around that. They're all they, they haven't even peaked. Points twenty five, man. That's Points twenty five. Sorelli's twenty three. These guys
0: are coming. Kooch isn't that old either, is he? Cooch is twenty eight. Oh yeah, the ripe old age. No, yeah. but
1: what I mean is like if you follow the traditional curve yeah, 27, yeah, yeah. No, 27 28 gotcha. is kind of where you peak. Now, the one thing that I will say is hurting them, um, but has gotten them this far, no first round pick, no second round pick in this upcoming draft. Yeah. So, you know, and then the following year, no second round pick, no third round pick. So, but this is what it is, right? Like this is this is what competing and being relevant in the cap era.
0: Yeah. The proverbial rings. cost of winning that we're right. all too familiar with.
1: I mean, if you, if you think about it two years ago, before the, before the bubble hockey year, they were swept by Columbus in a series that still blows my mind, defies any type of logic, but Columbus was writing a little bit of a wave and they achieved something, but, but even then that year they were favorites. So you're going year after year after year after year. These guys are going to have a solid five to six year window, I think. And this is probably year three of that window. So two out of those three years, they've won the cup. You're you're in my mind. You're the best team until someone proves otherwise. And I don't know if anyone can prove otherwise quite yet.
0: Yeah, uh, Andre Vasilevsky, Conn Smythe. He pitched a shutout in every elimination game in all four series.
1: Lester brought out the big pads for those, yeah, for those, uh, yeah, um, for those real important games.
0: Remarkable performance from him. Probably the best goaltender in the world. I think that's a little subjective, but it's hard to argue against. Obviously, Carey Price was all world. Um, probably the best hockey I've ever seen Carey Price play, and that right. you know that includes his heart year, where he was obviously outstanding, but. Here's my thing with Montreal. My my last thing with Montreal. They they need more. It's mm-hmm. so obvious they need more. And the problem is that Philip Deneau is probably going to ask for a lot of money. Mm-hmm. I don't know their cap situation, but if they re-sign him to a big ticket, he's probably coming back as their number one center. And that's a big, yeah. big problem. Yeah. I mean, Suzuki's probably going to supplant him at some point to get, to get more minutes. But when your entire strategy is based on shutdown which it was towards the end and in the playoffs the no's gonna get most of the ice time so if you give him that big ticket i don't know man it's hard but i think they need to he's
1: he's ufa too there's really no guarantee that he's so they've they've got no control whatsoever as to where he ends up not that they don't have the cap space to, to sign him but man they're they've got some like the long-term contracts are to Brendan Gallagher, who's 29, and he's signed until 26-27. Same thing with Josh Anderson, who's 27 and is signed to 26-27, both with modified no-move clauses. And then they've got to Foley until 23-24. And then the rest of this roster in terms of forwards is wide open. I mean, it is wide open.
0: Yeah, they didn't have Drouin, but I don't know what's going on with him. Right. And... If he'll even be back. I don't That's a little complicated situation. Right. But, right. Um, Tyler Toffoli, man, kind of a disappearing act in the final.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He was switched up to that deno line, which automatically hurts your production because the, the no line goes up against the point line every single time in the right. shutdown rule. That's just the way it is. Toffoli a great two-way player, so he knows what he's doing. In terms of those, but that'll take away from your offense. Anderson slips into his spot. Boom! Two goals the first game that they yep. make that switch. So, I was kind of hoping to see a little bit more from Toffoli, but it is what it is. He's a streaky player. We know this, right? Like this is not right news to us. He'll get hot. He'll go cold. He'll get hot again at some point. But overall, a great season for him. Tremendous regular season.
1: Yeah, and Cole Caulfield obviously showing that. He's NHL caliber all day.
0: Everything the Bannerman said he was.
1: Yep. Yep.
0: You know how many texts I've gotten uh, in these playoffs about you guys were right about Cole Caulfield? Not that, like, it's not like we saw him play and we're like, this is the guy. It's just all the research and all the times we did get to watch him play just seemed like a good player to take a chance on. It's not like we were saying jump up. Think 15 they, spots. Yeah, that's not because the Kings had a very high draft pick that season. If I remember. well
1: they had well they had Turkot, and so they took yeah, Turkot so at five. five. So
0: that's a very high draft. pick. I don't think right. we were suggesting they take him at five. I think we were suggesting they package their second round correct to move up to the first round, but it's okay because we got Artie Party. Right. That draft. We, so-
1: I think if we had not gotten Kaliev, who in terms of possessing that kind of natural goal scorer. Uh, shot mentality that you and I both really appreciated about Caulfield, I would be more upset about yeah not having Caulfield. But to have Kaliev, who I think is going to be a legitimate scoring winger, maybe not to the level of Caulfield, but...
0: Maybe he might, man. You don't know. We haven't maybe. seen enough of him.
1: It's true. But what I have seen, I don't think he's got that same... Um, Caulfield's got a little bit more of a of a drive to him. Like he's got a shot, yeah, but he'll, I think he'll I know what shoot you mean. off of the, yeah.
0: He'll create his own chances.
1: Correct, correct. And, Artie, Artie picks the spots. Artie yeah. picks the soft spots on the ice, and he likes to finish from that standpoint. Caulfield, despite his size, is not afraid to generate his own chances off the rush or, you know, take kind of an odd angle shot if he manages to get a little bit of body position because yeah. he's deceptively fast as well for a guy his size.
0: Yeah, good points. Um, So the season's over. I think we can put put a bow on it. Yeah. Um, Just kind of a brief revisit to our predictions. I had Toronto winning the Stanley Cup again. (laughs) (laughs) Survey says no, (laughs) no. Uh, Vardy, uh, do you remember your prediction?
1: Uh, I think my Cup final prediction was it was going to be Colorado Tampa with Colorado winning.
0: Well, we didn't make cup final predictions because we, oh, we didn't know how we were going to receive.
1: Sure, sure, but, but I, I thought but I, I thought
0: I used to say Colorado, yeah.
1: Yeah, I thought it was going to be Colorado and I thought Tampa was going to be one of the final four teams and I agreed with you that it was going to be uh Toronto uh I forget who I said the fourth team was. I I'm, I
0: don't remember either. <laughs> but uh mine were Toronto, Tampa, Vegas, and I can't remember that fourth division. Yeah. Because I think I don't know. Anyway, it doesn't I mean, matter.
1: But certainly, no one thought Montreal, and we were not alone in that. But I will say,
0: I, I did I did say watch out for Montreal, and
1: because you were big on karma, Josh man. Anderson, I think I think you were very big on the Josh and Anderson side. And I
0: liked the Toffoli thing, and I yeah. thought I thought it looked like a playoff team. I, it wasn't even a conversation about can they go far. It was will they make the playoffs? Or yeah, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so foiled again. Although, I think last year we came pretty close.
1: Yeah, it's not going to happen every year, especially not with weird setups like this. But
0: as as good as we are, yeah, we're not that good.
1: I mean, hey.
0: All right, all right. Let's go back to the first place Kings. (laughs) Tied for first with 31 other teams now. That's right. That's right. The Kings did not want to wait for these playoffs to be over. The first shot across the bow belongs to the LA Kings. uh, a big, a pretty big trade, honestly. If you just break it down, it's Victor Arvidsson coming from Nashville, second and a third going the other way. I'll, I'll give my thoughts, but I'm, I'm curious to, to listen to yours, already, So go ahead on this trade. Um, so as,
1: as a, as a individual trade for the type of player he has been, what he is bringing to the table. I like the trade. I think that they paid an appropriate amount. They didn't overpay. They didn't give up a first rounder. A second and a third, I think is uh, is a very reasonable thing to give up, especially when you consider that you know Jeff Carter cost Pittsburgh a third and a fourth, you know, a guy who's younger than Carter been more productive recently getting a second and a third. Totally okay with that. Where I start having problems with the trade is, with with regards to where people are envisioning Arvidsson playing on the roster. Um, he scored 30 goals, I think, two seasons ago. Um, and the last two seasons after that, and you can tell me that, yes, he played on the top line for Nashville. That's, that's all well and good. And, you know, Philip Forsberg's giving thumbs downs to him being traded away or whatnot. I get that. He had two or three great seasons between 16, 17, 17, 18, 18, 19 as the top line winger for Nashville. Last two seasons, 28 points in 57 games in 1920, 25 points in 2021. And if you look at the advanced stats, definitely uh, taking a dip in terms of shooting percentage, generating offense over the last two seasons. And so you can look at that one of two ways. It's either one, he's due for a bounce back that last season was an anomaly, Nashville... As a team was floundering, he was clearly affected by that. He's a great candidate for bounce back. Didn't cost the Kings much. Awesome, and I'm okay with that. But when you start saying that, like, oh, he's a top line winger still. He's he's going to be Kopitar's wing. We can't. We got finally we got a top line winger, and all it costs cost us was a second and a third. That's where I'm a little more hesitant because he's had such a significant injury history over the last two or three seasons because of his style of play, because he's an aggressive player, aggressive four checker, um, likes to get into the dirty areas, create chances, which are, which are great qualities in a player. But to expect a guy like that who is now for two seasons shown a drop-off in his play to automatically bounce back and be a 60-point, 30-goal, 25-30-goal scorer and slotting in, in as like a guaranteed top-line winger, I think you're setting yourself up for failure. I think you're setting the expectations too high because I look at these other teams that you're playing against and I'm going to be honest with you, like he's not a top line winger. I think he's a great top six forward. I think he'd be a perfect second line winger, but he's not on the level of, you know, Landis or Pacioretty or uh, Rantanen. Like these are these are top line wingers in my mind. He might've been three seasons ago, but. The numbers don't lie, man. I don't know. You, 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 you can chime in here on this yeah, one. Yeah,
0: I think my, I agree. It's a good trade. I, I, I can't imagine anyone looking at that and saying it's a bad trade. That's just
1: yeah, it, and, and that's not what I'm saying. It's I know, not a bad I know. Trade. I'm, I'm
0: agreeing with you. <clears throat> I think my concern comes in: is this the big trade? Is this mm. the big acquisition for this team? I think that's where my concern is because. He's a good player. If he can get you 20 men, incredible, great. But if he's the big get, my concern is that once again, you are rolling into the season and looking at Kopitar's line and saying, even if he is on Kopitar's line, you're looking at Kopitar specifically and saying, you know, you got to drag us over the finish line, buddy. Mm-hmm. Again. And mm-hmm. I think my hope and the hope that remains is that the Kings can alter the roster to the point where it's not all on him, where he doesn't have to carry the load, where he could actually have nights off and and the team doesn't struggle because let's face it last season or, you know, even recent history, if Kopi's not on, we're in trouble. And that's the bottom line. That's just mm-hmm. the truth of it. So I was hoping as he's advancing in his age and his career, that this is an opportunity to relieve some of the pressure for him I don't think Victor Arvidsson does that. I think Victor Arvidsson relieves a little bit of that pressure if he's paired up with the right center. Again, this is, there's no guarantees on Kopitar's line. I guess most people are saying he will be. But then your depth, I don't know. Like To me, the, the depth still isn't there for this team to really make that playoff push. And also, it begs the question, is the goal simply to squeak into the playoffs? Is the goal to make the playoffs? next season it seems like it is yeah and that's okay but I don't know I'm a fan so I want to be a little more excited that hey if we get in watch out that's what that's the feeling I want and right now with the roster as is and there's still time and I think the Kings will still add pieces but today I don't have that feeling I have a feeling of like all right guys let's squeak in and and give the kids some playoff experience Mm -hmm. and you know probably get eliminated by Vegas in the first round. Like, I don't want that. Like, I I understand the importance of it. I understand that making the playoffs is is difficult, and I understand that making the playoffs is important in terms of revenue and all these things. But I'm hoping for a little bit more. I think that's that's my main takeaway from the trade. Mm -hmm. It's like, I hope this isn't the big move for the Kings. Otherwise, great player. Seems like he has a great attitude. He's the type of player that the team probably needs his game, if it's still there, um, I think he's the type of player that would really complement the other guys. And to his – I mean, there's been a lot of comparisons to Justin Williams. I really hate <laughs> – <he's, laughs> I know, I, I I think we've spoken about it before, but I really hate every time the Kings try to make a move or make a move, the first thing people do is, like, compare it to a move that Lombardi made in the cup years. like Right it's not the same although i with this one there's a lot of comparisons to williams i i get it a lot of Arvison's injuries have been kind of like freakish injuries like these weird like injuries he's had it's not like the same injury has been bugging him forever mm-hmm, and you're mm-hmm. concerned about it i see that comparison i you know obviously the the style of play is, is there too but overall i would like for everyone to stop searching for oh is this the stole green trade that lombardi right, is this right. the it's no why do right. we just because, because it it's worked a, once yeah there's multiple ways to win a stanley cup and yeah i'm, I'm kind of it frustrates me every time i hear like well dean did this yeah well shit that was almost 10 years ago
1: <laughs> yeah it's 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 kind of like this weird hero worship right like That team brought us two cups. That team was composed of these players. Ergo, we should be looking to bring back a guy who's the next Clifford, a guy who's the next Williams, bring back Martinez to be the same Martinez, but better. Like, it's just, I, I, and I, I can't stand that either because for one thing, that team came together and became a good team through lots of, I'm going to say it like there was a lot of luck behind that too. And, you know, you don't put a team like that together and think we're going to make it into the eighth spot and we're going to run rough shot on everyone and win a cup. Like, that's not how that happens. But to sit there and be like, we, we won this cup because we had Kyle Clifford and we need someone else. who's a Kyle Clifford. It's like, not really. No, that's not what happened. And to be like, we have to bring back Martinez. Look how good he still is on Vegas. It's like, yeah, but that's Vegas. If you bring him back here, like he's going to go back to being the same, Alec Martinez putting up 18, 19 points. Does that really move the needle for you? And I think that's, this is what we've talked about before is I like it. It's a good trade. It's a solid addition to the top six. I don't think it's enough to make the playoffs. I think there's still too many question marks. If the goal is truly to make the playoffs and make a little bit of noise, then you're still relying on Gabe Velarde's line to take a huge leap forward. And you're, you know, I, I would like there to be more guarantees. I guess is what I'm saying. I would like there be, to be some more certainty in terms of who they're bringing in, as as big, t- not even big ticket, but like players to fill this roster in. For all the hubbub about the cap space and the prospects, and this is the summer and the noise making, and we've talked about this over and over and over again. I agree with you. If we walk away from this and it's Victor Arvidsson and nothing else, it's like, really, this is we we had the best opportunity we've had in years to improve this roster, and we walked away with one guy who's a top six winger, and we're calling it good. Yeah, that's that's not enough for me. No, go ahead, go
0: ahead. I was going to say now that depends on availability, who's out there, what's realistic, and all that. We we right. know we know all that. I think. And look, there are no guarantees with any player, right? Like, I know you mentioned guarantee, but I think what you probably meant is like more of a sure thing or as close to a sure right. thing as you can, a number, whether it be points, goals, that you can almost lock up for a player that it's going to happen. Right. Um, what makes me nervous, and you kind of touched on is—is is there's a lot of if these things happen, things will be good. And... You know, if Arvidsson is healthy, if he can get 25 goals, if Velarde takes the proper steps, if Byfield takes the proper steps, if some of this young core improves, if our defense, our young defense gets better, if Cal Peterson can be a full-time star. Like, it's just, I get it. We're a young team. I completely understand. I have the patience. It's not about that. But that's a lot of ifs for a team that is determined to make the team better significantly. And that's yeah. that's how we kind of got it went into the summer. So uh we're kind of going off by what obviously Dowdy said and that dominoed into what Blake said, what McClellan said. It seemed like it was an organization-wide um plan to to significantly improve this team. Final point for me, Victor Iverson does not significantly improve this team. He improves the team. The Kings are better yes. today than they were before the trade, without question. But Is it significant? I don't know. And you know, there's still moves to be made, but today, right now, it's not like I'm dancing into the regular season being like, can't wait, man. Let's see what happens. I have a pretty good idea what's gonna happen.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and that's what I agree. And you know, I I think I think if you expect him to be a 40-50 point player, you're gonna be okay with that. If you're expecting him to be a 60-point player, 25-30 goals. Ooh, I I don't know, man. I really don't know. I think that's a that's a tougher sell for me.
0: Yeah, let's let's stop the doom and gloom. There's still moves to be made. There's some yeah. available players. Elliot yeah. Friedman made reference to Brandon Saad and how that mm-hmm. he believes, and I I'm sure this is just speculation on his part, or maybe he heard something. Uh, you mentioned astutely that. Usually when he says things like that, there's something behind it. It's not like right. he's you know talking out of his ass. Brandon Saad on you know the second line. Yes, again, just a little bit better. The king is been a little bit better, right. but it, it's not the splash that we were you know indirectly promised or expected. To me, it's, it's marginal moves to get better marginal moves to make the playoffs and if we do go out and get brandon Saad i guess some people will write the kings in as a playoff team probably the last seed you know in the conference whatever and i just hope it's better than that that's that's the only thing i could say about yeah. the brandon sod thing again it's all speculation but it makes sense doesn't it like it, it kind of
1: it's such a King's move. You know yeah, what I mean? Like yes. it's, it's That's such a, it's I such would... like a,
0: ugh,
1: you know, like we're, we're such like a mid mid tier signing kind of team through and through. It it, it has like shades of Vladislav Nagy to it to me that, like and I don't like that. Like to me, it's, you know, I'd rather, I'd rather spend that money and bring back Athens to see you. I think you're going to have similar production from, from an athens U and it's going to cost you a whole lot less in terms of time, money, and commitment than it is to go out there and, and chase after a Brandon Saad. I don't think it makes that big a difference. I really don't.
0: I totally agree on Athena If you're going to spend that money, I think Saad is a UFA, correct? So he would be yes. a free agency. Yeah, he's 28, okay, so 29, something like that. Yeah, so you wouldn't give anything up, but the ticket's probably going to be less for. Athanasiou probably similar. Well, I was gonna say probably similar term, but I don't. I don't know what Saad would come in. I think he's twenty nine.
1: My guess is he'd be looking for a, a deal. long term I deal, as he's possible, right? Around. Like that's yeah. yeah.
0: So that makes sense. I don't know. I agree with you. I think I go Athanasiou over Saad at this point. I think Saad had a pretty good season. I think he scored like for a while. Or he scored every first goal in the Colorado Vegas mm-hmm. series. So, But I, I also remember Brandon Saad previous to his Colorado run was kind of middling and mm-hmm. not producing the way he had been producing. So it's another one of those kind of Hail Mary acquisitions that if Brandon Saad can play to the level that we're accustomed to previously and who is he going to play with, I don't know. Um The other guy... Requesting a trade out of St. Louis is Vladimir Tarasenko. A little more complicated situation in that um, he's coming off three shoulder surgeries, his third one finally being the one that he wanted to get. So he has some problems with the St. Louis medical staff, yada, yada, yada. He's another guy that the Kings could potentially target. I prefer to have Tarasenko over Saad. Tarasenko's at seven point five, I believe his cap hit is, and I think he's owed like nine point five in real dollars. Mm-hmm. So that's obviously something to think about.
1: Yeah, how many years? Let me see how many years he's got left on that deal. It's like two or three years, and with a with a limited no trade clause, I believe. Yes,
0: yeah, he would he would have to give a no trade. Yeah,
1: list. yeah, he's got two years left. He's twenty nine years old. Um, cap at seven point five, and he's got actually it's a full no trade, so he'd have to prove wherever he goes.
0: I'm I don't know. I don't know about that one. I, obviously I loved loved the player before his injuries. Sure. Uh he was a world-class talent. I'm sure he still has a lot of a lot of game um but I do wonder the cost. I do wonder if it's something that Kings stay away from just from a injury pers- uh perspective. Is he are you know are they looking at Tarasenko as oh he's having problems with the team, much like everyone is looking at Jack Eichel, mm-hmm. quote unquote attitude, quote unquote character, hashtag, whatever. Um, so I don't know about that, but he is available and I suspect the Kings would make a call and just kind of see where he's at and where the blues are at.
1: Yeah, I think again, that one's that one's a big question mark for a lot of people regarding his health and 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 how his shoulders will recover and how much of his play last season was linked to um, his disconnect with the team versus lingering effects from his injuries. I mean, shoulder injuries are, are tough to come back from at baseline when you've had three surgeries on them and you're developing scar tissue and whatnot in a, in a complex joint like that, that you're clearly using quite a bit of in hockey, taking hits and generating shots. It's uh, It's tough, man. These are tough. I mean, it's just like Eichel's. I mean, Eichel's injury is a neck injury. It's nothing to nothing to scoff at. So, um, and I don't know what the cost would be for a guy like that in that scenario. Certainly, the injuries um, change the game up a little bit.
0: And the trade request.
1: And the trade request certainly, like, and there's no trade clause. I mean, it all it all creates a very complex situation. Um, that being said, it's a two year commitment. So it's not like you're locking yourself in. I think that's the other thing that I I worry about with say Saad or Mike Hoffman, these guys who are like productive wingers who can bring in 50, 60 points, 20, 30 goals, they're not going to sign a three-year deal. You know, like they're they're looking to get paid. I think they're looking to get locked in someplace and and make the money that they've that they've earned. And someone will give that to them. I don't think that as a UFA, they're looking to sign a three-year deal. To play for the Kings and hope something good happens across the course of those three years for the team, you know. Yeah. So the the best chance that they have is to bring in guys like Arvidsson via trade and and have them under these shorter term deals for two or three years. And if it doesn't work out, well, it's, it's two or three years. It's not a big deal. You're already going to have some money come off the books with um, with Kovalchuk's buyout with Brown's contract expiring, with a Fenouf's buyout, all those things kind of yeah. drifting away over the next couple of years. Um, so I think in that same regard, I, depending on how much it costs, I, I think the idea of bringing in a Tarasenko is, is very intriguing. It's very, very intriguing if they think he's healthy enough to play most of those two years. But you know what? On the flip side of things, if he's not healthy enough – you can always LTIR him, I guess, if it's really that bad. And there's options, is all I'm saying. Yeah, you it brought just up depends a good on how point, much it though. costs.
0: You brought up a good point. Arvidson was brought in, he had no choice in the matter, right? Right. Trade with no move, all that right. stuff, no protection. All these guys we're mentioning have a choice. Yes. Karisenko has to choose to come to LA. He yes. Todd has to choose to sign with LA. All these free agents have to choose to sign with LA, and you have to think at this stage of their career, they want to win. Tarasenko especially probably wants to go to a contender. I can't imagine he'd be like okay with just going to a team that's still in a rebuild. Right. That's, just, that's just my guess on that. So, yeah, I think the Kings are looking for these types of deals where they can bring in a player just for assets, and there's no you know, needing to waive no trade clauses, yada yada, yada, or having to pitch to them and all this. I think that's probably their best shot at getting the players they want. Right. Or or you know, the players they're targeting. And I think that's I think that's one of the main reasons why I've always and we've always talked about Jack Eichel is that he has an NMC kicking in
2: mm-hmm.
0: next summer. And so Buffalo would be wise to trade him before that kicks in. Right. And it would be a situation where the Kings, you know, where Jack Eichel wouldn't have a say where he goes. And and I know that has a negative connotation to it, but at the same time, I think the position you're in, if you're the Kings, those are probably the, the deals you're looking to make.
1: But I think if you're also Jack Eichel, you realize that having no say where you end up, you're more likely going to end up at a team like the Kings that have the capability to, Uh, handle your cap hit and give up the assets necessary to bring you in i mean you might want to go play for the bruins i don't i don't blame you for that but like you're if you're logical you're not going to be yeah there's no logical way of making that happen um and so i and that's that i think that's what it really comes down to is that like it's the same way we got Richards. It's the same way we got Carter. And I know we just talked about like not comparing it. I'm, I'm not comparing it like we need a Richards. We need a Carter. I mean, it in terms of how we got those guys, they had no say where they ended up. We saw potential there. We saw the, you know, the players that could help the team. And we made those moves because we felt that we could bring those guys in and they would be a part of the team. and would love to, and would learn to love to play here they wouldn't just come to LA and immediately, you know, sour on the idea of playing for this team. And it worked out well. And I think that's, those are the types of things. I think they're, they're trying to recreate now they're trying to bring back to this team is bringing in some guys who maybe on the surface are not, you know, they're not looking at LA as a top option, but when they get here, they realize what's, what's happening over the next three or four seasons, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's gonna be interesting. Uh obviously the eichel neck injury. I don't think the kings are gonna get eichel anymore. That's just my opinion. Um, I hope I'm wrong because I <laughs> yeah, that would excite me. And I think that would that's the kind of move that would really change the fortunes of a team mm-hmm. and really change the expectations of a team. And I think that's really as fans what we want. Um, I just feel like they're gonna get another kind of a Arvidsson light,
2: mm-hmm.
0: maybe go try to get a defenseman. And these are all reported by reliable sources. So it's not like I'm talking out of my ass. Um, And I think, I really think they're just going to fill those holes and and make a run for the playoffs. I I think that's what's going to happen.
1: Just try to squeak in as that third team in the Pacific.
0: Here's the the thing. And here's what frustrates me a little bit is that, again, comparing it to the old core and and when they were coming up in 2010 and – starting to make the playoffs in 2010, becoming a good team around then too. This idea that we have these pieces in place now. Some people say, oh, we have, you know, Byfield's in place, Turcotte's in place, Velarde's in place. Now we just kind of dress that and that's Mm -hmm. enough. There's Mm -hmm. an argument like that. The difference, and they always say, just like they did in 2010, the difference is by the time the Kings dressed their roster, Kopitar was coming off like three straight 80-point seasons mm-hmm. or three straight 70-point seasons. Dustin Brown had established himself. At the time, Alex Frolov had multiple 20-goal seasons. They had established themselves as true NHL players, and the young core the Kings had then were built on after they had established themselves. And also the Kings back then didn't have Kopitar, Brown, and, and Dowdy, who are still... I think producing at a high that's
1: that's the bigger one for me is if you're going to sit there and you're going to wait you're hoping that two three seasons from now is is when byfield and Velardi and these guys are going to become those players that you want them to be you have to take into account the decline in production from Kopitar, Doughty, and potentially the loss of Brown. I mean, he is going to be UFA. I think he's going to kind of go the Joe Thornton route, honestly, where he's signing one-year deals and whatnot. But still, you I guess that's my frustration. My frustration is basically like, if you're not making a move this offseason and you're not signaling to these guys that like, you're still going to try to make one more one while they're still productive, then you're doing the opposite, which is basically telling them that like, yeah, sorry, man. We're just hoping for the best for the next couple seasons. Sucks, you know. I I, I don't know. For as much as we um, hero worship those guys for bringing us two cups, it seems like a very uh, poor way to approach uh, these couple seasons. If you don't get a little more aggressive and show them that you still believe they have something left in the tank to make a run, not three, four seasons from now, but one or two seasons, you know
0: yeah and getting these outside of that getting these players like if you if they did go out and get solid and they did go out and get whoever else now you present kind of an expansion conundrum which is kind of presenting itself with Arvidsson, right complaining about it but now you have to make hard decisions on who you have to or who you're going to protect for your seven players and uh now you're exposing players that you likely would have protected probably one of Anderson, Lea's Anderson, or Grundstrom is going to end up being exposed where previously many would pencil them in as being protected. And if you throw now sod in there or whoever else, mm-hmm. then both of them are going to be exposed essentially. So the reason I bring that up is that if you're willing to lose those players, like I hope it's for someone or multiple players that are going to be worth it.
1: Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, all right. What else we got? What else we, has happened?
0: Um, we mentioned Athens U. Yeah. And I'm looking at this roster. I don't know, like, if they are going to add another forward. I'm going to assume they are. And let's mm-hmm. say it's, you know, Brandon Saad or Brandon Saad alike player. Mm-hmm. There's no, <laughs> there's like no room on this roster for a guy like Athanasiou, unfortunately. It is unfortunate because you have his RFA rights. He had a pretty good season. Um, It's a good opportunity to bring him back. And in that role that you're looking to get whoever in the middle six, I think he's just as good or could be just as good. So Mm
2: -hmm.
0: all of a sudden you're looking at the roster and there just isn't a lot of room. It's a little concerning to me, not just for... Athens to see you, but if you're going to go out and get talent, mm-hmm. good players are going to end up not being on this team.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's another good point to bring up. Like, again, I'm I'm not trying to rail on Brandon Sod, Okay, the guy's been no, he's an example a consistent fifty point twenty some odd goal player in his career. I am I am in no way knocking that and saying like, oh, that's not good enough for this team. That's not what I'm saying. I guess what I'm saying is that like. You keep filling in the middle six, and you're hoping that that something kind of spills over on either side of that, and somehow becomes a top line top line player. And that I don't think that's the right way of going about it. Like I don't think that I don't think it's fair to say that we're going to bring in Arvidsson; he's going to be a top line wing, and Saad's going to be a second line wing. I'm okay with bringing either of those guys in, and saying wherever you fit in on the top six is fine. But when you bring in both of those guys, you're furthering the logjam without really bringing in anyone who is is head and shoulders above those guys to fill in that role that's that's again the issue that I'm I'm having with that not to mention like we mentioned you have to that's a weird sentence not to mention like we mentioned but but you have to like probably overpay this guy and commit to him for several years to bring him in so with that in mind i think that a guy like Athanasiou, who has scored thirty goals before, who um, was productive and creative multiple points last season, I think, in a more consistent role, he can be a forty point player, no problem. I don't think i'm I don't think I'm stretching that too far. And if you've already got a guy like this, who's three years younger than the guy you're going after, why wouldn't you just sign him? Why wouldn't you just bring him back? Now, I understand that that creates issues in terms of who do you protect in the expansion draft, but I've kind of come to peace in my own mind, unless something changes, that they're going to lose more than likely Kale Clegg in the expansion draft, which will upset me until until proven otherwise.
0: Yeah, I mean, in a weird way, like after these acquisitions, you might hope they take Cale Clegg. I know that sucks to say, um, but if it gets to the point where you're going to have to expose like a couple other guys, there might be a line of thinking. was like, I hope it is Clegg. And I'm not saying I would think that, but I, I I think you can make a case that some people think, you know, Leah Sanderson is the one yeah. that needs to be on this roster. I mean,
1: well, and, and that's where I hope that, you know, much like Nashville was willing to part with Arvidsson to get something for him rather than lose him for nothing, which was the prevailing theory, right? That there, there had been discussions and, and didn't Dave come on uh, on some NHL radio hits and basically say that like Seattle had hinted strongly that if Arvidsson yes. was available in the expansion draft, that's who they would take. Well, I'm, I'm hoping that the Kings have a similar pulse on the situation and they're not going to lose someone for nothing. They're going to basically create a situation for Seattle that, no matter who they take, we're okay with losing this particular player. Um, and, and I think on the defensive side of things, the person I, I think if you lose anyone else but Claye, you're not, you know, you're not completely heartbroken. Assuming that they're protecting Walker, Roy, and Dowdy, right? Like if you lose Olimata. Oh well, no one's no one's all that upset if you lose Curtis McDermott. I'm certainly not upset. Um, on the forward side of things, like I know we traded for Brendan Lemieux, but are you are you really that upset if you lose Brendan Lemieux? You know, so and that's how I that's how I kind of look at things. Is I think maybe Grundstrom is another name that yeah. might sting a little bit, but he's been around parts of two seasons now has he really shown you as much compared to all of the other forward prospects that you have that you, that you can't bear to lose Grunstrom? I think that's the other part of losing Clegg that bothers me is that like, we're not as deep in the defensive position in terms of prospects. And he and Bjornfoot are probably the farthest along in terms of development. And I think he's really on the cusp of becoming a very, very good defenseman. I don't feel that same way with like, Rundstrom
2: right.
1: despite the fact that, like, yes, we we did give up assets to get him.
0: Well, it's going to be interesting. I think at the end of the day, what we're saying is, if you're going to bring in guys from the outside, please make it worth it to lose yeah, some of these guys.
1: Exactly, exactly. And if you're going to lose someone, don't lose them for nothing. Yep. That's happening in two weeks' time. So by the next episode, we'll we'll know the makeup of what the Seattle Kraken.
0: Yeah, will we'll look probably like. wait. For Till after the expansion draft.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's that I think that's fair. Smart. That's fair to say. <laughs> we'll have
0: something to talk about. Uh, you You mentioned Brandon Lemieux, and the first thought that came to my head was I'd rather have Blake Lazat. And <laughs> he
1: was <laughs> he was signed. He was signed.
0: Along with uh, Christian a whopping and,
1: one year contract.
0: Yes, um, Walen and Lazat both signed. Wait. Right. Yeah, it all <laughs> look good in Ontario, probably. <laughs> um, Does Roland have to be protected?
1: Not that I'm afraid we're going to lose him. I'm just curious. He's 26. I feel like he he probably would need to be protected. No.
0: Have to be protected as in? Well,
1: if if we uh, meaning that if you um, want to keep him, correct. Yes, meaning that he would be eligible to be gotcha. taken in the expansion I'm not, draft. I'm
0: not sure, but. I don't even want to research that, man. That's how little I care about that. I
1: just, whatever. Fair That's fair enough. That's fair enough. All right. Well, fine then. Are we at the point where we play the game?
0: Are we already? It seems I don't so know. Is there soon. anything
1: else? I know. Is there more to talk about at the moment?
0: Uh, there were some awards handed out. Should we talk about the awards?
1: Sure. Sure. Go for it.
0: That guy we from Vegas won, won the best number. Mark Andre Fleury,
1: Andre, whatever.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: Number one, number one bullshit.
0: Right. Uh, Adam Fox winning the Norris. How about that?
1: That's that was unexpected, but I think deserved. I mean, he clearly had a tremendous season.
0: Uh, Kaprizov, rookie of the year, a stunner. Mm -hmm. I would say another stunner. Connor McDavid. I've heard of him. Yeah, winning the Hart Trophy,
1: it's sweeping right, 100 point, 100, uh, Or Am I confusing that with? No, uh, you're
0: right. He's the he's the first or only the second time a unanimous MVP has been voted in NHL history, and the other time was was Wayne Gretzky. And I went down a rabbit hole, buddy. <laughs> after that, and I was like, "How the hell?" first question came to Um, mind is how the hell has Wayne Gretzky only won one unanimous MVP blew my mind so I did some research from 1981 to 1986 Gretzky was the leading scorer of the NHL obviously and he had a 70 point or more lead on the second place guy for six straight seasons (laughs) Think about that seventy points or more. Some seasons it was eighty, <laughs> and he only won one unanimous MVP award. That is, come on, man, that is ridiculous. I bet you Montreal writers didn't give him. The they voted. Friggin- for, they vote for yeah.
1: Bob Ganey still.
0: Yeah, they they wrote in John Billavo, <laughs> even though he hadn't played in years. So that was I, I was baffled by that.
1: Is it possible that is it possible that it was like defensemen getting the votes? Like maybe they were saying that, I don't know, Paul Coffee. Paul deserves, Coffee.
0: Yeah. Come on. I don't, I'm just
1: I'm, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm I'm speculating here. I'm speculating. I, mean,
0: I don't know. Maybe there were seasons. Look, like Mario didn't get going until, like '87, where he's right. really putting up those big numbers. Right.
1: Right. Right. Right.
0: So I don't know. Maybe i Mike Bossy was was scoring a lot. I'm sure he got some votes. Yeah, I, mean, I, I imagine they got votes but to have a 70 place. plus point lead right like you really need to be doing and, mental and still gymnastics. have someone
1: right and still have someone be like nope not first in my book like
0: you, you're you're a hater like there's nothing i, yeah. I hate that word but jesus yeah. so anyway good for connor <laughs> he was so clearly the best player in the nhl that i'm glad if but you just was love ever, to see that, right? Like you love yeah, to see them put- the right putting thing.
1: whatever, right. Exactly. I think that's a good way to put it. Like the, it's it's the same way I felt about, about people saying that it was boring for Tampa to win the cup. It's like, it's not boring when the right thing happens. It's not right. boring when the better team or the best player gets their roses, right? Like they deserve that.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Um, speaking of that, I was really happy to see Barkov win the Selkie. Hmm. I love me some Sasha Barkov.
1: Good player, excellent player. So
0: underrated. I've of all the players that are comparables to Kopitar, I don't think anyone comes as as close as Barkov to me.
1: Yeah, he's going to get a big contract. He's yes, UFA should. in twenty two, twenty three. He's he's about to be a ten million dollar man. I think, and no he deserves doubt. It. Yeah. Absolutely
0: deserves it. Um, he's he's twenty five. Yep come on man 25 good lord jack adams goes to rob rindamore i have no problem i mean what am i gonna say he deserves it
1: you know i saw some really compelling arguments that uh that Quinville should have won that one mm. and i i really didn't know it was interesting no, it's, it was basically it's, it, it's it, good. yeah because i think i think when you take into account that like the productivity he generated from players that really quite surprising, like guys like Carter, Verhage. I don't Verhage and um, and Mackenzie Wieger. Like these guys are like became legitimate players under his system. You know, um, I think again, not to say that Brenda Moore is not a great coach, and clearly he's made a huge impact in carolina but i think i don't know man uh, i've
0: i think i know you what you're I, saying historically this goes yeah, to the over, this goes to the overachieving, the over-achieving
1: team yeah. right versus like well think about what it really means to coach think about like taking a roster that is a decent roster or a good roster and yet not just having the good players play really well but finding a way to get the the okay or average players to really excel in your system those are the types of things that i think are are very notable but um, in any case i'm i'm
0: q was third which I, dean evison got second dean evison i think fits the overachieving, overachieving model yeah um but i'll never i don't know I, I, minnesota at the, end of the, the adams
1: day. is such a weird award dude the adams is such a weird award because there's been so many people who have won it and then gotten fired like the immediately next season you know like yeah. it's 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 not a joke award but it's a very random award i think the criteria for why someone wins the jack adams is very very strange in my book
0: it is um so going back to the vesna it was interesting to me that flurry in his acceptance zoom call whatever actually said uh that he thinks vasilevsky's the best goalie in the world right now and i thought Vas- i thought vasy was going to win it but yeah. i am mad at it you know i think flurry had a great season
2: right
1: especially with everything that he went through in vegas the uh you know the backstabbing memes and, the, yeah. and- like
0: and it was his first one, right? right. Like
1: it's kind of a lifetime achievement all, award. <laughs>
0: great. I'm I'm all about that stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think Vasi
1: he'll he'll is get gonna his. be
0: just fine.
1: But then again, I thought that I thought Jonathan Quick was gonna get his at some point too, and that never happened. Still think he was robbed that season that Lundquist got it over him, but
0: that's neither here nor there. He was, it was, you know, probably statistically one of the finest goaltending seasons. Yeah. Of, shit, the last twenty years maybe. I know Kippers saw yeah, that some yeah. monster seasons too right. when he was playing, but yeah. Um the other trophies, I, I call them the other ones. I don't mean to disrespect them, but uh <laughs> like the Ted Lindsay is the yeah. MVP as voted on by the players. Slam dunk there. Lady Bing, which is another weird <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> this is a weird award. The the people who
1: got upset about this was even weirder that like Matthews did not get the Lady Bing. <laughs> right. I was like, really? Do you think he cares? <laughs> like people were going to bat for, for Matthews not getting the Lady Bing like as the most gentlemanly player. I was like honestly, I don't think he even cares, man.
0: Yeah, I don't think anyone really cares about this trophy. Yeah. Kopi uh, won it like, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean good for good for Slavin, i guess <laughs> whatever uh king clancy goes to Pecarine. cool masterton trophy to oscar lindblom very deserved very much yeah. deserves obviously yeah. for everything he's been through um and he played he played well this season too i mean he's considering i should say
2: mm-hmm.
0: and the mark messi leadership award which is the <laughs> worst award in fucking hockey <laughs> it's just, it's just Another reason for Mark Messier to get up on stage and be called the greatest leader in sports, which is, in my opinion, a big pile of horseshit. I don't hate Mark Messier, but I think his leadership is the most overblown thing in the history of hockey. Uh, but it goes to Bergeron. Great. Could go to literally any captain of any team. <laughs> I, I, I'm convinced. Uh... All right. Now I think we can go to the Jersey Now, game. now
1: it's time to play the game. All right. Good news for you. Uh, episode seventy-three. Only two people. Great. And I feel like you've got this in the bag.
0: Uh, you think I got both in the bag? Oh, easy. Oh my. I, I mean, obviously, I know. I know the guy who just lost the Stanley Cup final.
2: Correct. It's
0: Tyler Toffoli. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> It came uh, to you
1: like a bolt from the blue.
0: Former almost friend of mine. John two, degrees of,
1: two degrees of separation.
0: I have hung out with John Seiler on more than one occasion uh, <laughs> through a friend of mine who played juniors with him. A very good friend of mine who played juniors with him. So when he came to LA, we got to hang out a little bit. The guy's a maniac. I don't know what else to tell you. He is, he is a maniac. Tons of fun. Mm. Um, John Zyler, number 73. It's got to it be. Is. It's,
1: it's got to be, his. Gotta be, it's got to it be. It has to
0: be. The John Zyler episode. I mean, it's it's a travesty. That's not the Tyler Spoli episode, obviously. But at the same time, time, in the spirit of next, Nikita Kucherov's press conference. There you go. Spirit of Kutrausen's press conference. This is a John Zeiler episode. You could tip him back, let me tell you. <laughs> More than Bud Lights. Okay.
1: All right. Well, that's that's pretty solid. I think that's a good way to end it. Uh, next time we see you, as I mentioned, we will have a 30-second NHL team. Uh, probably wait until that gets done before we uh analyze that. Um And then, yeah, we'll we'll probably sneak an episode in after the expansion draft, but before the actual NHL draft, which I think is the 24th, 25th, 26th, something like that. Anyway, um, keep the Twitter commentary coming. We appreciate it all. We know it's the off season, but hey, hockey don't stop. So uh, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. We're available wherever your podcasts can be listened to. uh, What is it? iTunes. (laughs) cloud bean. <laughs> cloud bean <laughs> soundcast <laughs> i'm just making these things up at this point look just google us you'll find it we're there you've been listening to the bannerman an la king's podcast